0: let me ask you this did how long were you and noreen married
1: uh almost 20 years
0: 20 years any children
1: uh yes uh one one natural child uh collier uh, he's uh 16 right now
0: oh i was uh, 16. see i'm smart wow. how does he feel about all this i, I mean this
1: well he's very distraught he was manipulated by uh david Mesmore of the mansfield police department and a few other people
2: so let's just get a couple of things straight um I did have a relationship with Dave Mesmore and his wife, wonderful people. And um, they were probably the reason, the biggest reason at that time in my life that I didn't uh, want to end my life or that I at least made it through. The only person that's manipulating Collier is my father. and it is my hope that it helps anyone who has experienced deception betrayal and dark trauma i'm collier landry and this is moving past murder hey movers what's going on welcome back to another episode of moving past murder i'm your host collier landry and man do i have an episode for you guys Today, woo, um, I have reached back into the archives on this one for all of you, and um, I'm really excited to talk about it. But first, and actually, for those of you that subscribe to my Patreon, you are already kind of privy to this episode because I did a post on this a few days ago sharing the material that I'm sharing with you guys today. So just know that you get first-hand access when you subscribe to my Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash Collier Landry. All the money goes here to support this podcast, which currently is ad free, but not for long, but, um, uh, your support is what makes this program possible and allows me to create the content for you guys that, you know, that I feel best suits you guys, my audience. And I know from the responses that I get on social media, and now I'm on TikTok, check it out, um, that you guys are really enjoying what I'm doing. So your support is appreciated if you can, and if you can't at least subscribing to the podcast, downloading, telling your friends about it, wherever you get your podcasts, That helps a lot. It really does because, um, yeah, I love doing this for you guys. So there's my little sales pitch. Anyways, today's episode is super cool. And, um, I don't know if it's super cool or not. We're going to find out because it's all going to be live, uh, as a live tape, if you will. Um, but, uh, and speaking of tape, yes, yes, there is a tape. Okay. So first of all, let's get to viewer questions. My DM of the week. So today's DM on Instagram, and it's a very long message, but I'm gonna sort of just read through the highlights here. Good evening, I just wanted you to know that I've spent most of the day listening to almost all your videos on YouTube. To go through such a traumatic event and be empowered to speak about it is something I aspire to do one day. When I was 17, I was in an abusive relationship with a man much older than me. Being 17, I was naive and had severe attachment issues with my father who abandoned me. So having someone shower me with affection was the best thing in the world for me. Little did I know that this man was a sociopath. He was so charismatic, knew all the right things to say, very manipulative. He ended up isolating me from my friends and family. I hope one day I can tell my story as you did and help someone else who may have been in my situation. Thank you for sharing your story with the world. Um, You know, it's... uh, I would really like to say that um, stories are a rarity in my DM boxes and my messages, but that's not the case. Um, It's really heartbreaking to hear that someone, you know, at such a young age gets sort of duped by the charisma and the narcissists and the sociopaths that just come in and just take over their life. And it's really about control. And I was actually speaking to someone about this earlier tonight. Um, they, they were, they've been in a string of abusive relationships so they were in one for seven years and they were just like, well, they, yeah, they just control you and then you can't get out. And that's the thing. I, I, I think that when you're wrapped up in someone's world, if someone else has, has actually wrapped, it's better. Someone else has actually wrapped themselves up in your world and taking complete control of your life um it's really hard to get rid of them because they do make you feel like you are you you have no power to leave them and you're nothing without them and and to do this to a child when she's 17 when she was in high school and dropped out. i mean i'm very happy that she has a happy ending to this with kids and i'm sorry that she's still struggling through the trauma because it doesn't you know it, it it's tough man it's tough um God, I feel for her. Um, so thank you for sharing that with me and, um, we are all pulling for you. Um, but thank you anyways, uh, (laughs) speaking of coercive control and manipulation. So in my hands right here is a tape that I found in the bin of my father's letters and this tape is dated. December 29th, 1994, almost five years to the day of my mother's murder. And what makes this particular tape interesting, which I have not listened to, by the way, we are going to listen to it together. Now I have recorded it and put it, like I said, on the Patreon, but I didn't listen to it. I literally just recorded it and, you know, cut it down and whatever. I didn't hear much of anything of what my father said, because I wanted to do it for you guys on the actual podcast. Um. So my father was interviewed on a radio show. That's called what's right. What's left with pastor Ernie Sanders. Pastor Sanders actually still has the same radio program. And this is what, so this is 1994. So 28, 20, yeah, this is 28 years later, right? Is my math correct there? Yeah. 28 years later, um, he still has the program. He it's now, I <laughs> think it's now like a part podcast and it's on, on the internet and he's on you know, broadcast on radio stations across the United States and probably across the world. Um. Ironically, my producer who I told about this tape reached out to him. And so there is actually a part two to this particular episode, which is going to come out next week where I discuss not what's on the tape because I hadn't listened to it, but I discuss some of the things that were brought up. It'll make sense at the end of this, but, um, it's very interesting hearing this and what makes this interesting is a few weeks ago, I did an episode with my father's letters where he was gaslighting. And I alluded to like this Chinese gold smuggling and things, but he was, this letter was written in, I think the end of November, 1994. And he said something that was really poignant. And he said, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that come out about mommy. Yes. My father refers to in letters, my mother as mommy. It's weird. I know you guys have all commented on it, but it's the truth. Um, cause I'm reading them as he writes them. Um, but he says, you know, you're going to hear these things about mommy that might be upsetting to you, but just know your mother was a good woman and all this stuff because he's gaslighting me and he's manipulating me. Well, obviously he was alluding to this particular interview that we're going to listen to because I know that this is full of some crazy talk from my father. I'm pretty sure. And I don't like using that word crazy. I don't use that to describe anyone else, but like my father, it, it, to give a little more context to this. So at this time, my father was trying to get an appeal for his conviction for murdering my mother. And he was coming up with a bunch of stories and, and we're going to hear what he he says. So um, yeah, let's get to it, shall we? So what we're going to do. Right now, is I'm going to uh, we're we're gonna listen to this together, and then I'll stop, and I'll probably offer some commentary, or maybe I'll offer some anger or whatever. But it'll be this will be really interesting and fun, guys. Trust me. So, in with the earbuds, we go. Woohoo! Music's interesting.
0: Good afternoon, once
1: again, and welcome to What's Right, What's Left with your host, Radio Pastor Ernie Sanders. Today's show comes to you live from the studios of WCCD AM 1000. The guest for the second hour will be Dr. Jack Boyle, a prisoner. And now to tell you more, here's your host, Radio
0: Pastor Ernie
2: Sanders. Dr. Jack Boyle, a prisoner.
0: Okay, we're back. We're expecting a call from Dr. Jack Boyle. Now... What Dr. Boyle has to say, is that Dr. Boyle? Okay. Is going to be
2: uh, his. What's interesting is he says Dr. Boyle. You, but my not father's not a doctor anymore. Because, because we don't know He gets stripped say. of your medical we're license when, him you him <laughs> when you go to prison for murder. No, Just fun fact. Dr.
0: Boyle, are you there? Yes.
2: Say hi to all of Mrs. Cleveland. Sanders? Yes. This
0: is Pastor Hi, How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you?
1: Doing good. Struggling, but we're keeping our head above water. Well, say hi to all of <laughs>
0: Cleveland.
2: Struggling, uh, but we're keeping our head above uh, Dr. water. Dr. Boyle,
0: you are right now calling uh, from a prison in Lebanon, Ohio, is that correct? Correct, yes. And you're spending, well, look, you tell the folks who you are and, and tell them your story. This is your opportunity to get your it's side of the story, story out.
1: Well, I'm, I'm Dr. Jack Boyle of Mansfield, Ohio, and in June of 1990, I was convicted uh, of the murder of my wife, Noreen. Uh, yeah. We have been fighting that uh, uh, conviction, which we uh, feel to be the result of an unfair trial, and uh, no evidence to support that conviction uh, <laughs> uh, since that date. No
2: evidence to support uh, that Noreen, conviction? Uh, uh, oh, Noreen's
1: body was found, or allegedly her body was found, under my uh, uh, basement. Uh, in uh, a new home in erie pennsylvania on january 25th of 90 and uh the circumstances uh, surrounding her disappearance and the entire case itself are extremely fragmented
2: cold brew coffee and
1: we have been uh, attacking
2: <laughs> doesn't make it uh, through the court
1: system uh, the actual trial and uh, possibly some of some of your uh, readers or uh, listeners may have heard uh On uh, December 24th, uh, attorney Tom Adgate of Akron, Ohio and his associates who have uh, taken on my case uh, made an announcement that they have obtained permission to uh, begin the uh, exhumation process and uh, get a proper identity on the body and to actually complete an autopsy, which we were denied prior to trial.
2: Okay. So I'm going to stop this just for a moment <clears throat> to give you guys, the audience, a little bit of context. So, uh, this attorney that he's talking about, and I had referenced this guy before, um, in, uh, the letter with the, in the episode with the letter, which is like from a few weeks ago. Um, I believe it is episode 34 moving past murder, 35 or 30, 33, something like that. It's in the thirties. Um, which I am too, just kidding. Uh, so, in that letter, I I realized that. So what had happened is is around this time. So I'm was 1994. So I'm 16 years old now, and so I'm a junior in high school, right? Does that make sense? Junior, yeah, I'm a junior in high school, and um, my father. There was a bunch of people that had come forward. Which is, this is all tied together, obviously. And this is tied to next week's episode as well. So there was a bunch of people that come forward and said that my mother's body was not my mother's. And they wanted to, there was a big article in the Akron Beacon Journal written by a journalist named named Ted Joy. There was a book written by a gentleman named Martin Yant called Rotten to the Core, which was talking about corruption in Mansfield, Ohio, and uh, the police department and all this stuff. And I cannot speak to any of that because I don't know, like, what, what, what or what not went on in the Mansfield Police Department? All I can say is that my experience with the Mansfield Police Department and Lieutenant David Mesmore was top notch, solid. Like we're gonna, you know, outside of treating my mother's case like a missing persons case, but once David Mesmore listened to me on the whatever it was, the first first of January, nineteen ninety, and like that my mother was dead. Like from then on, it was it was game on. So um, I have nothing but respect and admiration for the police in Mansfield Ohio just want to get that out of the way so and also like what my father is probably going to say is really crazy I I, I have a feeling it's gonna be pretty nutty those are his opinions that's it and um it's the opinions of a of a person of a man who is convicted for murdering my mother that I witnessed um grabbing for straws so that's kind of what we're witnessing here so he's grabbing for straws and um but anyways so to tie this in I had, because of these questions that came up, it was a question about my mother's body weight, her eye color being brown instead of blue, like mine. And I got my, mo- I got my mother's eyes, so they were very blue. And my, uh, it, there was this question of like, what uh, was it really, my mother's body? And in my sort of quest to kind of have my peace with the situation and everything, and I thought, okay, I will authorize the exhumation of my mother's body and give a DNA test to see. If it is, and ultimately my aunt, my mother's sister, uh, Carol, she also gave a DNA test as well. Um, so, so that is how they, they figured out there was my mother's body, right? So to give the benefit of the doubt as a child who was healing and who I guess, you know, honestly, At the time maybe there was still part this little small part of me that was hoping that mother that wasn't my mother's body, then maybe my mother was gonna come back and, you know, reappear like you know, like nothing ever happened. I mean, I think that there's I think ultimately when you're a child that goes through a trauma like that and your mother is taken away from you so abruptly and so horrifically, I do think that you that you most certainly probably try to Oh man, you just try to really You never really let go of hope that maybe, maybe it's wrong. Like maybe she really is gonna come back and and see me. And I, and to be honest with you guys, like, and and this is just me being real here. I did have a lot of those feelings growing up. Like maybe this would still happen. And I would say that probably even like, uh, when I moved to LA, I was like, maybe I'll see her on the streets. And I know that that was not going to happen, but I think there's a small part of you inside that really hopes that maybe this shit isn't true. And that maybe it's all been a nightmare and you'll wake up one day. And everything will be right as rain. Of course, that's stuff that dreams are made of. Um, But anyways, let's continue.
1: Determine the cause of death.
0: All right, now they claimed, what did they claim was the cause of death?
1: Uh, The cause of death that was claimed by the state of Ohio was that uh, suffocation by means of a plastic bag placed over the head and blunt trauma to the head.
0: Now, there's a couple things that, that, that I, I'm a little concerned about or have some questions about. First of all, when they set bail on you, what was the bail they set?
1: Uh, the bail was actually set at $5 million cash.
0: Now, that is, I mean, this is, uh, that's just not unusual. What's,
1: what's... Yeah, that's, ab- that's absolutely outrageous. Uh, I'm not quite certain of the details, but I believe
2: that I mean, uh, were... Noriega's
1: bail may have been maybe 2 or $3 million. And I think Leona Helmsley was about two or three million dollars. Yet in, in Richland County, my
0: bail was set at five million cash. Do you have any uh, <laughs> ideas on why that was the case? I mean, obviously they didn't want you to really. To,
2: Are we talking about we're talking example. about bail? Why so
0: hard?
2: <laughs> we're talking about well, bail I money. I think uh, the uh, choice here was uh, based on several considerations.
1: Uh, retrospectively, the uh, uh, Richland County and the city of Mansfield itself had been under a significant amount of uh, uh, scrutiny by the FBI for several uh, female deaths that had scrutiny not, not been solved. Scrutiny by the FBI? I think it was six or eight murders that had not been solved over the prior six or eight years. And uh, that was well documented in a report called
2: the Green Hill Report. The Green uh, Hill Report. By
1: uh, a retired FBI agent
2: uh, Is that like Green the Green Hill. New Deal? And
1: that came out in about August of 89. And I think that the Mansfield Police Department was facing some pressure for not solving any of these crimes. And uh, when uh, the disappearance of Noreen Boyle arose, we were in the middle of a divorce, uh, which was favorable to me. The,
2: uh, uh, the opportunity That is one thing prevent, that's I true. Think, my, uh, my father was raking my mother over the coals to to make in the a divorce. Trial. And I think for the bail sure. is just symptomatic of the... Uh,
1: show trial uh, concept that they tried to uh, establish.
0: All right, there's been a lot show of question trial. about uh, a lot of these murders and possibly the Mansfield Police Department being involved are tied in some way to some of these murders. Have you heard uh, any of, of that talk?
1: Well, that's correct. Uh, there has been uh, uh, much rumor and speculation that certain police officers were involved with uh, the oh death boy. or disappearance or association of many Here of the uh, women uh, that uh, subsequently found up murder. In fact, in my own case, there is a strong rumor uh, between retired police captain David Mesmore of the Mansfield Police Department and his uh, relationship with uh,
0: Noreen. Yeah. Well, th- th- I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's common knowledge in Mansfield.
2: <laughs> I'm going to tell you something 100%. And I remember, the years, I remember when all these rumors were coming out. The notion that my mother knew, let alone had a relationship with Dave Messmore is utterly fanciful. It's that's a very polite way of saying it's complete bullshit. Um, this is again, a person who's grabbing for straws, looking for ways to, to blame other people for his, his actions, which as we know. Now <laughs> was the case after seeing, you know, making a murder in Mansfield and my father's. Yeah, it it doesn't matter. It's, um, this is what we are listening to is a man trying to grab for straws and trying to manipulate not only the pastor and his audience, but, you know, he's been, he was trying to manipulate me and everyone around him. It's interesting.
0: Well, I mean, if you talk to people down there, uh, they have got the reputation, uh, that the Chicago cops had back
2: in the 40s But The uh, Chicago cops that uh,
1: they, I'm sorry, they have a reputation the sh- as what? The Chicago
2: cops
0: That the Chicago cops had like during the prohibition?
1: Capone era Oh, yes, yes Well, I think uh, uh,
2: I don't think that was the 40s the I think that was the that 30s well With known Capone it's has, bootlegging uh,
1: uh, more recently been brought oh, no. out
0: by the book,
1: uh, I think just
0: published by Marty Yant, called Rotten to the Core. To the core. So we're going to probably be doing a, a program on that. You hang tight. We'll be right back.
2: Oh, okay. hang tight. Oh, we have an ad. God, this like 80s. Pretty good on the right way. Have your sunglasses
1: with you this afternoon. This WCCD traffic update brought to you by
0: Southwest Airlines. Now off the freeway. I mean, really? On to the free waves. wish I had listened to this before. <laughs> what's right? Yeah, I could have cut all this Okay, we're back. Out. I'm Radio okay. Pastor Ernie Sanders. We have Dr. Jack Boyle with us, and he is calling from Lebanon, Ohio, from uh, WCI, Warren Correctional Institute. Uh, Dr. Boyle, I my we were talking about some of the, uh, several times. the allegations of the corruptions <laughs> in the Mansfield Police Department. There's some things that, you know, I, I've been looking at your case, and there's a couple things that jump right out at me. And, and, when I, and I'm saying that because... We we have a very large prison ministry, and I spend a lot of time with prison inmates all over the state. Now, all you know, you are charged with first degree murder. Is that correct? That's correct. And you were convicted on first degree murder. Is that correct? That's
2: correct. Convicted
0: on okay, aggravated now, murder, not that means that murder. this was was not was
2: premeditated.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, a crime of passion, but you were convicted of premeditated uh, murder. And everyone I know that has been convicted of that. Uh, is done on death row. Why aren't you on death row? Why are you doing life? Um, I can't give you an actual
1: answer on that, Pastor. All I know is when the trial concluded,
0: the uh,
2: presiding
1: judge, uh, James Henson... Uh,
2: the reason why my father wasn't given the death penalty is because of me. <laughs> For the record. Because, yeah, he had a kid. And he had my sister, who was just you know born... 12 days before he was arrested so yeah they didn't give him the death penalty for that reason just saying
1: Sentence, sentenced me to uh, 20 to life in prison uh, with uh, parole eligibility somewhere around the year 2010 and there was never any question of any uh, death penalty brought forward at all so i really don't know uh, the particulars of his decision but i think it's it's symptomatic of the rest of the uh, uh uh, entire uh, legal proceeding in Mansfield, it's, and that's uh, to sum it up in one word, suspect is the uh, the best word okay, See, the
2: thing know, is, I spoke to here, the judge it before it he just, sentenced it my it father, it almost
0: sounds like these people are saying look, we're going to put this guy away he's going to stay away but they were hesitant to give you the death sentence it's almost like, like they were saying I don't want his blood under my hands uh, you know, we really don't believe he's guilty of, of, of first degree murder, but we've got to keep him out of the way do you, do you get that feeling?
1: Yes, oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, uh, there's many, in, many indications that the prosecution made uh, uh, conscious yeah. decisions to conceal not only evidence but uh, the truth from the public. Wow. And we're no. looking at several things. For example, just about uh, uh, seven weeks ago we discovered that the uh, uh, plastic bag that was over the head of the decedent, the body, had a partial fingerprint on it. That fingerprint was discovered by the FBI, and it was found not to be Dr. Boyle's fingerprint, and not to be anything in the FBI files. Prosecutor, mayor, the Mansfield Police Department I know uh, we're fully know aware of, of this prior to my trial but this evidence was never presented
2: at trial on this all right case. you know when you
0: when you speak of the, the body it's you're in, when you say dr. boy you're, you're speaking of yourself low and profile uh, for the FBI
2: to get involved uh, even though it did cross state lines which that was always a thing of, that
0: I of Noreen was curious or about. and your ex-wife yes or was it really Noreen Well, we
1: don't really know that. Um, The uh, Beacon Journal did an extensive, I think, eight to ten month investigation and uh, discovered uh, many uh, uh, abnormalities, uh, lack of evidentiary support, uh, certainly a numerous amount of uh, uh, questions regarding the identity of the body, uh, ranging from uh, body height, body weight, uh, eye color, missing organs, etc., and again, the only identification of the body was made by Mansfield police lieutenant at that time, David Messmore. No family members identified the body. No f-
2: um, I'm pretty sure that my mother's sister ID'd my mom. I'm pretty sure because I remember her coming in, and I think that she did go down and look at the body. But just for the record, my mother was identified not by Lieutenant David Messmore. I mean, maybe he was like, that looks like Noreen Boyle to me. Which, as those of you that have seen the film Murder in Mansfield, there is me looking at the case file for the first time and seeing the photographs of my mother's dead body. Um, which was... A challenging moment for me, to put it lightly, um, but uh, my mother was identified by her dental records, and it was actually my the dentist um, that was my dentist and her dentist and the ortho, I believe also the orthodontist uh, that that verified these records these dental records for my mother, um, so that's how she was identified, not by Lieutenant Messmore going oh yeah I know her because we were having an affair, or whatever my father's alluding to, which is just crazy town
1: were taken from the body. Uh, The uh, uh, dental examination was a partial dental dental examination. Uh, No blood samples were taken from the body to corroborate anything in that area. And uh, all of that was orchestrated by Messmore, unfortunately.
0: I'm going to ask you a question, and and Dr. Boyle, you don't have to answer this question Uh if you don't want to. Uh, Just if you would would say, I would rather not answer that, I would understand why, because it would be a personal question... Uh-huh uh, there is there have been allegations made that uh, a police officer in the Massfield Police Department was having an affair with your ex-wife Noreen uh, during uh, at the time when, when uh, the so-called murder took place. Is that correct? And you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. That is correct. And now, was this the the police officer also that was assigned to investigate this murder? From that is correct. Boy, there's there's just a lot of, of strange things taking place here. I mean, this is uh, boy, this whole thing uh, oh, it, it stinks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, I oh, guess yeah. I guess that leaves a couple of questions. The whole if-
2: thing does stink, and yes, it does leave a couple of questions but not in the way that you guys are talking about it. Wow. Wow. Let's keep listening.
0: That body is not Noreen. And, and I hope I, you know, I I just pray if it was Noreen that she went home to be with the Lord, if it's not her, then my question is, who is it? And the next question would be, where's Noreen?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, the Isn't Beacon her? Journal turned up some people who thought they saw Noreen anywhere from Toledo to Columbus, Ohio to uh, uh, California. Uh, <laughs> we don't really know where Noreen is because it's no one's quiet. tracked her down yet. Well, my
2: mom definitely wasn't in Toledo. Uh, just gonna...
1: Part of it is conceivable that it could, the body could very well be Noreen. Wow. But there's been such a hodgepodge of mistakes uh, uh, in the autopsy... <clears throat> that uh, we have to seriously question, obviously, the cause of death and the actual positive identification of the body. And uh, the, uh, uh, we've already had a preliminary review of the autopsy video and the autopsy report by Dr. Cox in uh, the Summit County Coroner, and he differs on the cause of death from that which was presented by the state of Ohio. Now, you must recall, we filed a proper motion to have that body Uh, to have an autopsy and a forensic examination on that body by our own medical experts, and we were denied that by the trial court. And this is absolutely unheard of in our uh, society where the rules of law and the rules of evidence, in particular in Ohio, uh, permit you to review the evidence. In fact, when we filed the motion in court, the uh, prosecutor came back and said, well, the body was no longer in the custody, possession, and control of the state of Ohio and was buried in Maryland. And uh, our request to examine that body was filed within six days after my, re- my uh, arrest. So um,
0: it seems like that there was a, a real hurry to get uh, that body, and that's not normal. It, it, that, that body's what? That, that is not normal procedure.
1: Oh, no, no, absolutely not normal. In fact, ironically, or, or uh, however you want to look at it, uh, when the announcement was made by uh, Tom Adgate that we're exhuming the body, The Richland County prosecutor, James Mayer came back on the front page of the Mansfield news journal yesterday and said that he is going to oppose any exhumation.
2: So here's a couple of things that are super duper interesting and very easy to gloss over if you don't know the facts. So. The difficult thing here is. My mother's body was buried in wet concrete. She was dead for 25 days. So if you think about that, if you think about the fact that, um, that God, this is just really sorry. This is really hitting me when I think about it. So the, 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 body was like decomposing already. So to put, to bury my mother's body quickly after doing an autopsy, which most likely didn't yield a lot of results. I mean, this, you, you have to think that, so this is 2022 that we're in. This is 32 years ago. forensics were not what they are now. Right. Um. It's um, it's interesting to hear them to them talk about this. I don't I don't think anyone with a rational brain goes okay. A body that's been decomposing for twenty five days is going to yield. Let's just put it through more autopsies and I, I don't know. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that uh, that they thought they could get another autopsy. <clears throat> Who knows?
1: This is a man who has no legal standing in the case. We have probable cause, number one. We have the uh, permission of the next of kin to exhume the body. And this man now does not want this body exhumed.
0: Uh, We're going to have to break right here for a break. We'll be right back. This is getting more and more interesting, folks. No ID found.
1: And now back with more of What's Right, What's Left. Here's Radio Pastor Ernie Sanders.
0: Okay, we're back and we have Dr. Jack Boyle. And folks, uh, we're giving Dr. Jack Boyle his opportunity to come and tell his story. And the reason we do that is because I don't know what what Dr. Boyle is going to tell you. I'm asking him some questions. I have uh, some information on his case. But the bottom line is, Everyone should have an opportunity to tell their story. In today's society, it's getting harder to do that. Our judicial system is becoming more and more corrupt. And, and, uh, you know, I want to praise God that we still have some honest judges. We still have some honest attorneys. But, you know, we have to um, look at it and and face the facts. That is what's happening out there. And we're here to warn you, to let you know, because we need to make some changes. And, And I am... A person who's I believe look if you do the crime you got it you you should receive the punishment yeah you do you the should. crime you need to receive the punishment absolutely do the time I'm do the time I am very very um, 100% in favor of justice but and, and justice means also that you should have a fair trial And that's the problem. My father's trial. Uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago.
2: My father's trial was three and a half weeks. That's a long time. No, it might have even been longer. Unbelievable.
0: Let's go back 15 years ago. If you would have told me that, that this type of thing was taking place, I wouldn't have believed you. But after sitting in courtroom after courtroom after courtroom, and hearing the things that I'm hearing from prosecuting attorneys, the guys I always thought were the good guys. I thought these guys, they were telling the truth, okay, and the judges were the good guys, and they were going to tell you the truth, and the uh, you know the, the, the people on trial were normally the bad guys, and uh, that's the way it worked. But folks, I got to the point where I had a hard time not distinguishing between the players. You know, who was the the biggest crook. And and I hate to say it, but that's happening more and more often. Do you find that to be the case, Dr. Boyle? Yes, I
1: do. Um, uh, I had the same attitude prior to uh, my own trial, because I thought uh, things were uh, truth, justice, and the American way. But it's not that way in the courtrooms as I experienced it in Richland County. In fact, I would dare say that the search for truth is not in the highest tradition of the uh, prosecuting attorney's office in Richland County.
0: Winning, means, winning is the bottom line. By all means, win at, at any means.
1: Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. I think there's a, a complete abdication of the responsibilities to the Constitution as manifested uh, by uh, uh, Richland County. Uh, there, there's no doubt in my mind. We're talking about critical evidence that was denied the jury's review. Uh, There's no way the jury could have made any type of quote-unquote rational decision to convict when they never heard the evidence of a different uh, cause of death, uh, perhaps a different time of death. In fact, there was no time of death ever given. Uh, All the uh, mistakes that uh, were made in the case, uh, it's just an inclusion of of additional materials that are relevant to the determination of the merits that were never even brought out at trial. Uh, so you, it's very easy to say that the legal conclusions that were reached in the prior uh, procedure are plainly erroneous in legal terms. The trial was all fouled up, and that's a generous term, right there.
0: Well, absolutely, and I've seen this in case after case after case. One, uh, my own experience. One time, I went to uh, to get a bottle of a pop downstairs,
2: bottle of pop, because we're all from Ohio out. in the Midwest. Uh-uh. So we said that's pop. That machine. The prosecutor said
0: I was a witness in a in the case for for the defense and the prosecuting attorney actually came to me and asked me if I couldn't if I couldn't lie then to to at least not say anything when I was on the stand and this was the very same guy that sat next to me at a men's prayer breakfast boy I tell you I felt like taking that man out and just whipping the dickens out of him right outside uh, but, but, you know, it's unbelievable Whipping that the these dickens. things take place and these things Whipping happen. Uh, you know, you dickens. should have had an opportunity to uh, give your your side of the story. I mean, you should have a fair opportunity. Uh, so what's going to happen now? This Are you going to be able to get a Marine's uh, body exhumed?
1: Well, we're getting the body exhumed. Uh, we don't see any difficulty with that, even though... Uh, Attorney Mayor has uh, made a grandstand approach to the public in Mansfield that he's not going to permit such an exhumation.
0: What, what are they afraid of? What is it they're afraid that's, of? That's the
1: first question that came into my mind when I heard that. Um, I, I think any logical, rational human being would say, what is he trying to hide? And it's quite obvious, mayor is covering up something or wants something covered up.
0: Do you
2: think that it's, or possibly, it's just complete it's bullshit, not it's body? Like, who, hey, we don't put body the, it is
0: there. The do not want people to know.
2: We don't want the family. We don't want the community to go through this bullshit again. I mean, I would think that's a pretty valid reason to not go through all of this. I don't think it's a cover. Like, what are you going to find after? Uh, it's just this is. See, this is as as. As they're trying to say, well, this is the fucked up side of the justice system as, far as oh, people not getting justice. No, this is the fucked up side of the justice system. This is why the American justicism system, love it or hate it is, you know, it, it's completely flawed and there's a lot of, you know, malfeasance that goes along with it, but it is still the best justice system in the world. And this is why, because here's a guy who clearly killed his wife, his son witnessed it, you know, uh, and testified in court for two and a half days against his father. And then uh, goes, you know, this, he, this guy's been in prison for almost five years or four years, or my father had been in custody for five years at this point. <clears throat> and. You know, he's still allowed to make these accusations and still allowed to go through with an appellate process and still allowed to, to request the exhumation and get the exhumation of the body to get a DNA test to see if it's, if it yields anything. I mean, not a lot of people get that opportunity, especially don't get it. I mean, it's, it's. So as much as this, you know, the, the, our radio host here, and this is, you know, this is not his fault anyways, but you know, as they want to say, Oh, there's, there's issues with the justice system. It's also, there is an issue with like people abusing the system, like my father, who, as we all have seen in the film, admits to murdering my mother to, well, (laughs) admits to pushing her and getting into a fight, his own story of that, but whatever, this is a man grabbing for straws to try to get out of prison
1: could very well be. I mean, I think this whole thing was uh, a certain willingness on the part of uh, the prosecutor uh, to subordinate the law to perhaps his own political interests. I mean, um, he comes from a a family tradition of corruption. His father was removed from the uh, trial courts in Mansfield by the Ohio Supreme Court several years ago. And uh, he, he appears to be carrying on the same family tradition at one level.
0: Well, all right, let's, let's oh just God. take it. If they exhume the body, and, and you believe that's going to happen, right? Yes. Uh, and it's not Maureen, I guess
2: Noreen, uh, what's going to determine on uh, what Noreen happens is her from name. that
0: point will we'll be determined by who the body is. Is that correct?
1: Yes, well, I think in very simplistic legal terms, uh, if the uh, body is, is determined not to be Noreen's, then uh, I will be released from the penitentiary because I'm charged with murdering Noreen. And if the body doesn't match up, well, then bingo, that's, uh, the evidentiary support does not hold up.
0: Well, wait a minute, but you still have a body, and the body was still uh, supposedly found uh, in the house that you owned in Pennsylvania, correct?
1: Correct, yes.
0: Well, I mean, aren't you going to be charged in that case with the murder then of whoever that is?
1: Well, I I really don't know what's in the prosecutor's mind. Uh, The interesting feature on that body, by the way, is that it was found on January 25th under fresh, wet concrete. And uh, fresh, wet concrete was found on the wall uh, of the basement when I was charged with burying that body and cementing that gravesite December 31st, or the first three or four days of January. So it's very peculiar that the concrete would be that fresh almost 30 days later. Uh, but I have no idea what the, the prosecutor will do uh, in terms of. I mean, do we really uh, think that my father? Noreen? Well, he
2: buried the body all right, straight they, away and From what I understand and from ready? what I
0: read in the paper, they're basing this on uh, the so. fact that they traced uh, a jackhammer that was rented by you. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. However, the jackhammer was never proven to be used. Um, There was no evidence presented at trial that showed, number one, that the jackhammer was used or that the uh, concrete that was dug up, the concrete samples that they had, were dug up by a jackhammer. Everything was based on assumption and presumption.
0: Well, I mean, Um, why would you rent a jackhammer if you weren't going to use it?
1: Oh, well, the jackhammer was was rented in conjunction with uh, Mark Davis, uh, a friend of mine in Mansfield who was going to use it on his property, a new office. And I was going to use it to, to get some bricks dug up in the back of my Hawthorne Lane home.
0: Okay, so then in
2: fact, you I didn't that, use it though, or I, did, I you? Think did you? That use it there ori- at I think that originally in the trial, my father said that he had gotten the jackhammer because he was going to do some plumbing work in the house, in our home in Mansfield, Ohio. That's in the basement, <laughs> not bricks in the backyard. I don't even know what he's talking about bricks in the backyard. I played in that backyard for five years. I don't really remember a whole lot of bricks going on in the <laughs> backyard. We had this like little pine tree area that was right by the garage. So I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. A lot of looniness going on in this uh, particular <laughs> taped conversation.
0: Oh, no, that no, was never used at all. Oh, OK. Well, hang tight. We're up against Metro traffic. We'll be back and find out why the hammer wasn't used.
2: Oh, we're up against the Metro traffic. We're looking pretty
1: good on the highways this afternoon. It's off the highways where we have some trouble. This WCCD traffic update is brought to you by Manpower Temporary Services.
0: Happy, sleepy, dopey and dark. Grumpy, bashful and... (gasps) (laughs) Sneezy. From the people who brought you Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin on Ice comes the most beloved fairy tale of all time. Snow White and the Seven
1: Dwarfs, live on ice. Get your tickets now at the Gundarina box office and all Ticketmaster
0: locations. The Gundarina box office. Driving
1: the truth home. Here's Radio Pastor Ernie Sanders with more What's Right, What's Left.
0: Okay, we're back. I'm Radio Pastor Ernie Sanders, and folks, we have Dr. Jack Boyle. Now, Dr. Boyle, you have, you're have you professing to be a born-again Christian. If you died right now, you know you'd go home to be with the Lord. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, Pastor. And... Um, Praise the Lord for that let's, let's uh, Christian take He's a look go at home
2: this, to the you know, Lord went
0: back a little bit with this with this jackhammer yeah uh, it was never rent why wasn't it ever used
1: well the jackhammer was never used because uh, Mark Davis got sick uh, and that basically uh, undermined the usage of the jackhammer and uh, about the same time on December 31st is when this Noreen t- from is when R- Noreen, Noreen took off uh, so that just uh, uh, prevented any use of, uh, of using the jackhammer. In fact, it was uh,
0: returned to the store unused. Well, you know, when when this hits the newspapers, and, and and we saw this in all the news, ABC, NBC, CBS, had the picture of this jackhammer, and they had uh, where it was rented from, and, and I mean, here it was. <clears throat> those, those news spots uh, convicted you right there. I mean, you were convicted on the air before the trial even began, weren't you?
1: Oh sure, there's no doubt on that. Uh, I think um, again, it's just that uh, an unfortunate tragedy that uh, myself, my family, and friends should should be utilized as a pawn in uh, <laughs> perhaps the political gender, uh, the political agenda of mayor. It's uh, it's an unfortunate situation, but uh, I believe with uh, faith in God and. Faith in family and friends and my attorneys and, and believe it or not, faith in the legal system. This will be turned around. I expect a complete vindication.
0: Let me ask you this, and, and again, you, I know that this is, this, this is a man is who murdered his wife, and uh, you know I know you have personal but he expects feelings. a you know, it's, vindication. It's understandable. Uh, <clears throat> do you think that that you were double crossed by Noreen and, and the police officer that's investigating this case?
1: Well, i suspect there was something going on because uh uh, noreen was losing the divorce in effect she lost the divorce she was given limited alimony for only a period of six months and the domestic relations judge told her to get a job and
2: that's what it boiled down to and i remember that Uh, i remember my mother being very upset uh, would not be obtaining any of the i remember um that uh my mother was upset by that um also, this is what happens when your husband has all the money after you put him through medical school and you're doing all his books and taking care of his, his um, money, his finances, uh, and then he turns around and because he's a sociopath and a narcissist and decides to squeeze you out. So yeah, he was fucking my mother over in the divorce, big time. It's not the first time this, this tale has ever been heard
0: sums of money that she had anticipated. Now, how could she benefit, though? But I, mean, see, I, 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 wouldn't. How does know, my how mother could benefit by benefit getting herself by, murdered? Um, pulling a hoax, but you know, um, you know, with with this dead body. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. Did, did they have a body they wanted to get rid of and 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 decide to to kill two birds at one stone, get rid of this this person, and blame it on you or what?
1: Uh-huh. Well. <clears throat> even possible that it's not a hoax. Uh, we must consider that uh, it's possible that that body is Noreen and the fact that something went wrong in whatever uh, business or uh, relationship she was in. We know that she was into uh, uh, dealing with uh, uh, attempting to bring uh, foreign children in the United States and sell them to childless couples. And it's quite possible that any extrapolation from that could have been dealing with drugs or uh, other materials.
0: Well, that is that is a Something big. Went wrong. That is a big black market business, and, and that's a, a, a slavery type of ring. Yeah. Wow. That works both ways with with taking uh, kidnapped American children, and, and they ended up being being sold into slavery uh, there to a lot of your uh, Arab sheiks, oil sheiks, and and uh, wealthy huh? people in foreign countries. Uh, you don't think she was involved in that too, do you?
1: Well, we didn't we didn't know so much about that. We knew about uh, uh, the babies that she was getting from Taiwan and selling those on the black you mean market. My sister, and we, that we just she suspect that she was over? also involved, possibly with smuggling of gold and uh, there's a real smuggling. possibility See? that narcotics could have been involved. Um, I think in Noreen's quest for money, she would have tried anything, and uh, so so none of that surprises me.
0: Wow.
2: In Noreen's quest for money, she would have tried everything. Uh, my mother was not into drugs. My mother was not selling babies and children and gold. And, um, but I think my mother would have done anything in her quest for money to take care of her children. (laughs) Uh, I don't think she would have resorted to criminal activity, but my mother would have most certainly, uh, said to my father, you need to pay for your, these children, you need to take care of your son. And, and my father, you know, I, I I think I remember very specifically my father saying to my mother that, you know, that she can go get a job at McDonald's and that, and that he doesn't care if I go to college and he's not going to pay a dime of it and this, that, and the other, because he was starting a new life (laughs) with his girlfriend, Sherry Campbell. And, uh, she was pregnant with his daughter, uh, my half sister, and then she had two kids of her own. So, um, you know, there was that, and he was starting a new life and then he was going to screw over his current wife and his children, (laughs) me, his son of 11 years at that time, uh, because he wanted to lead a new life with his girlfriend in a new house in Erie, Pennsylvania pretty much what happened.
0: Well, where do we go from here? Well, we're waiting for the
1: exhumation, and we know that if the body's not Noreen, that'll take us down one avenue. And if the autopsy uh, uh, confirms the sentiments of Dr. Dr. Cox that the uh, cause of death was not as the state of Ohio uh, rendered, we've got new scientific evidence that uh, will warrant uh, a, a retrial on the case. And I can assure you, with the uh, dedicated responsibility of uh, Tom Adgate and his crew in Akron, uh, uh, Larry Smith and Andy Kinder and uh, uh, Mike Minster, that and the rest of the office staff there, that the, the, the retrial will not go and be the same sham and circus that the first trial was.
0: All right, you now have your own attorneys. A lot of times, people don't realize that, a lot of times, <coughs> The judges do not allow you to have your own attorneys. Uh-huh. Did you have your own attorneys uh, in the first trial? Yes.
2: Oh, wait, hold on. A lot of times the judges don't let you have your own attorneys? Uh, that's a new one on me, on the American justice system. It's always, you have, I think that's in the Constitution of the United States. Believe it's... Uh, Amendment 6, right to a speedy and swift trial with the jury of your peers, right at, right to obtain your own counsel for proper defense. I'm pretty sure in the Bill of Rights, not 100%, but uh, wow, wow, <clears throat> unbelievable.
1: Well, what actually happened here was when the Beacon Journal article came out, Tom Adgate and his staff were so outraged by the injustice that uh, so, uh, uh, if I was willing injustice. to take services from them, they would represent me, and, and that's exactly what happened. I asked Tom and his crew to represent me in, in all forthcoming proceedings, and that's, that's where we stand at this point.
0: Do you think that your, the attorney that you had in the first case uh, did an adequate job?
1: Oh, no, by no means. I think a perfect example of this is the fact that the fingerprint that we're talking about was never demonstrated to the jury when my own defense attorneys knew about it. Coupled with the fact that uh, uh, flecks of red paint were found in the debris from the gravesite, and uh, when Prosecutor Mayer was asked why were these not analyzed to see if they came from a red truck or something like that, his, his, his comment was that the, that the red paint chips did not fit his theory of the case. Well, certainly, Dr. Boyle only had white vehicles. He didn't
0: have any red vehicles. So I think yeah, the fact that anything
2: that made the sculpture of the operation for me would
1: not have uh, suited his objectives.
0: Let me ask you this. Did How long were you and Noreen married?
1: Uh, almost 20 years.
0: 20 years. Any children?
1: Uh, yes, uh, one, one natural child, uh, Collier. Uh, he's uh, 16 right now.
0: Oh, I was uh, 16. See, I'm smart. Well, how does he feel about all this? I mean, this is.
1: <laughs> really... Well, he's very distraught. He was manipulated by uh, David Messmore of the Mansfield Police Department and a few other people. In fact, uh, during my pre trial, uh, David Messmore used to take him from uh, uh, the uh, guardianship home on weekends and take him to his house. So the child basically was brainwashed into thinking his daddy's a murderer.
2: Now, Messmore. So let's just get a couple of things straight. Um,. I did have a relationship with Dave Messmore and his wife, wonderful people, and um, they were probably the reason, the biggest reason at that time in my life that I didn't want to end my life or that I at least made it through. Um, There was not a lot of contact before the trial uh, because I was the key witness. Um, I wasn't brainwashed. I wasn't manipulated by anyone. Because nobody can manipulate me to the fact that I woke up to the sound of a scream, then two thuds, then (laughs) my father, the next morning telling me, well, mommy took a little vacation call here. We're not going to tell to the police. Like all of that happened long before I met Lieutenant David Massmore long before my mother's body was found. Long before my father's trial occurred or I was on the witness stand. Um, the only person that's manipulating Collier is my father through his letters, through sending me this tape, through giving these interviews. He's trying to manipulate people to see his point of view. So this is a man grabbing a straws and he knows no shame. He is well beyond the pale
0: the guy that was in charge of the investigation. That's correct. And he was also the police officer, that was having an affair with with your no- wife, Noreen. That's correct. While the two of you were married. Now it was it was was, what rank is he? Is he a captain or lieutenant? Uh,
1: he's a captain, and he retired uh, maybe about six or eight months ago on a, a medical disability.
0: Now, uh, is he was is he married? Is he married? Yes, I think he's been married three or four times. Okay, so he was having an affair with your wife Dave while he was married.
2: married. Twice. and He,
0: he so was, he was his, taking your son his to his house. And was, was uh, that like was during the when while
1: I was in the <laughs> county jail. He was taking, picking Collier up on Friday, keeping him at his house until Sunday, and taking Collier out, for, uh, uh, out to the restaurants and uh, out to the mall to play video games and buying him clothing, etc.
0: Did you protest that?
1: Yes, we did. When we found out, we protested it. Uh, the judge uh, ordered injunction to keep the uh, prosecuting attorney in the Mansfield Police Department away from Collier, and uh, uh, we think that that they did stay away. However, prior to trial, uh, originates from Correctional Institution. Collier was prepped uh, in an extensive preparation pre- prior to his testimony by attorney Mayer, and that was in violation of that standing court order.
2: Now, a couple of things that occur. And a couple of facts that are missing here. So in this preparation of me um <clears throat> being prepared, uh it is normal in the American justice system for those of you that have been a witness in a criminal trial, you will know this that the prosecutor, if you're whoever you are representing, whatever side that is, whether it's defense counsel or whether it is prosecution, they sit down with you and you have a discussion about what is going to go on in court because they're in court every day you most likely as a citizen (laughs) are not and it's a little fucking scary just so you know especially to a 12 year old child one of those conversations of this pre-trial prep was collier you do not have to testify if you don't want to to which i believe i responded over my dead body um but (laughs) uh yeah, that's just standard. Now I again was a child witness, so maybe uh but no. Um there was no discussions. There was, hey Collier, what did you hear? They do ask you the questions that they think that they're going to, but they don't tell you what to answer. You go over with a statement. But again, I was a very smart and articulate kid and I remembered verbatim and I will say this until the day I take my last breath. The easiest thing to remember and recite in life is the truth. So when it comes out of your mouth, it's so pure it follows, it flows. And <clears throat> again, the notion that I was coached or brainwashed as if I'm that stupid uh, is utterly fanciful.
0: Okay. Did now he did? Did he testify then in your trial? Yes, he did and he testified for the prosecution.
1: That's correct.
2: Because you murdered my mother. His was reviewed
1: by a child psychologist by the Beacon Journal, and they definitely said that uh, his testimony was uh, giving uh, uh, the appearance of being staged and uh, brainwashed, quote-unquote.
2: Now, again, this is kind of insulting to me, so I'm, I'm now hearing this for the first time. The thing is, is that I testified a trial. It was either two and a half days or one and a half days for those of you that have been a part or not been a part of a criminal trial, um, or a, a legal trial in general, whether it's a civil trial or whatever, being on the witness stand for an entire day is an arduous and grueling process for an adult, let alone a 12 year old boy. So one would think that if I was coached or, uh, I was, there was any sort of mendacity in my testimony, meaning I was lying. Uh, I probably would have been broken. That's a long time to keep up and, a, Act or a performance in one of the scariest situations in my young life. Uh, the, the most terrifying, not one of the, the most terrifying, uh, staring down a monster in court. So, um, wow. Wow.
0: That's interesting. Now, when was that? When, when was the last time you've seen him? uh, Uh,
1: well, prior to, uh, or. After sentencing, I saw him once briefly uh, at the prison here, and the last uh, and I hadn't seen him until just this past November when he came down with his adoptive father George Ziegler. So, uh, oh, that day uh, Collier and me. I had a tearful reunion the first or
0: second week of November, and I call him. I don't remember being and tearful. We write letters back and forth. What was your I remember it uh, relationship, being tearful. if with, with Ziegler? I mean, his adoptive father. Did this go through uh, human services? Don't fucking or say what?
2: anything Social bad about George.
0: Uh, no, uh,
1: uh, George Ziegler had a son in the same school that Collier was attending. And uh, both George and Susan Don't Ziegler as good Christians stepped forward uh, to take over the education and the care and the love of uh, Collier during my absence and Noreen's absence.
0: Well, we want to praise the Lord for that.
1: Yes, absolutely praise the Lord. They're, they're very... Uh, uh, Kind, caring, loving Christian couple. Well,
0: now let's just
2: say I, that I may that not have body is I may have lost and, my fucking shit if he had said something bad about george's and Susan. So I'm very glad that didn't happen.
0: It proves that it is not Noreen. Uh, I guess our question is, where is Noreen, and uh, what is she doing? I mean, at this time.
1: Yeah, that's something that's going to have to be vigorously pursued if it's not her. Uh, we're going to have to find out exactly what's going on.
0: Now, you said that, that you knew that she was involved with this black market of children. Yes. Uh, there's, she obviously wasn't involved in this by herself. <laughs> That's uh, There's been some al- allegations, uh, many allegations, about the, the Mansfield Police Department uh, all kinds of things from gambling operations, to prostitution operations, to selling protections. And again, like I'm saying, uh, these are allegations. I don't, I we don't have any documentation here to prove it or to disprove it. This is, um, but there's been so many allegations over the years, uh, you know, usually where there's some s- smoke, there's some fire. I mean, this sounds sure. like the plot uh, to like you think a, a that, uh,
2: Martin Scorsese that film. It's
0: possible that... Uh,
2: Where's Whitey Bulger or John Gotti? Maybe maybe Mr. the Moore or
0: others were involved with her in this? Well, we
1: we have a strong suspicion through some documentation that Attorney Charles Lynch tried to assist her in the adoption of uh, Chinese children in Ohio. Uh, There's some communication between her, uh, her, uh, between Noreen, and between Lynch on that effect. And we filed a formal complaint with the Disciplinary Council about (laughs) his conduct, but that was just whitewashed away, unfortunately. But uh, as this case turns around and develops, that's going to be an area that we will pursue.
0: Uh, are you safe where you're at right now? You're right now. You're incarcerated. Uh, if in fact this, you know, this body of a turns out to be someone who knew too much and gotten away, or in fact, if it turns out to be uh, Noreen, uh-huh. uh, there's a reason that she's dead. Uh-huh, correct. There's a reason. <laughs> Uh, do you fear that uh, that maybe you might, that your life might be in danger?
1: Um, I have received no death threats or anything of that nature or any threatening <laughs> gestures from anyone, staff or inmates. And uh, I think it's important to point out here that all police officials and prison officials are not corrupt. Uh, yes, there is a core nucleus of, of people who fit the uh, proverbial uh, description of a people. dirty cop.
2: Not everybody is a dirty um, cop, my father says. But
1: uh, all, all police officers and judicial officials are not corrupt. No, no, we, we want
2: to well, praise
0: well, the Lord for word. that. We want to praise God that we do have, uh, and we were doing that earlier on the program. I was, I, you know, we do that on a continuous basis. You know, we I mean, we this praise is so. Uh, the pastors this is that have not left the gospel, that are still and preaching just, the gospel have not compromised we praise oh yes, the Lord praise, for the judges praise the Lord. Uh, who are still honest uh, the prosecutors that are still honest uh, there you know and uh, there are so many out there that are that are being bought and sold I mean the bottom line in so much of a judicial system today is, is money there's there's big money involved and uh, in estates, and one of the things that's one of the big rackets that is going on is uh, when someone goes down, you know, whatever they're worth, whatever whether it's a uh, thousand or you know, five million, that seems to be what the attorneys' fees are, and uh, these judges have a tendency to uh, to appoint friends of theirs to be the defense. Do you, do you see things like that happening?
1: Uh, pastor what was your last part of the question
0: I said what happens there's a tendency today you see a lot of of of, of when people when men go to jail they they have estates and it seems like right away uh the, the amount of their worth is determined and that that seems to be what the attorneys fees are and it seems to be today that a lot of these judges appoint their friends sure uh, and when these guys go away uh, they end up with nothing, and these attorneys end up getting richer and richer. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting that they would set bail for five I mean, million dollars. Were, uh, were is you this, worth a lot of money uh, when you uh, were arrested? Is this uh, no?
1: That's uh, all part of the myth. I think that was part of the overall effort.
2: Like, uh, I got to stop this for a second. <laughs> so what? And look, I, I you know. Um, pastor Sanders that does this program. Look, he has, his agenda is not my father's. Uh, he runs, my father's just another guest on his program being interviewed. And he has a curious mind. And, um, and you know, when I spoke to him and this will be in the next episode, uh, you know, it, it, they do a lot of conspiracy theory discussion. I mean, he's been doing this, like he still does this 32 years later or whatever. There's so 28 years later since this interview. Um, you know, and he told me they was very upfront about all of that, you know, uh, and I found him to be a, a really nice and charming and, and, uh, and, and, very intelligent and kind man. So I have nothing against him, uh, hosting this, you know, uh, having this interview with my father, because he's just, it's just another guest to him. Um, and exploring issues that he's passionate about much like I do on this program as well. So this is what he's into. Um you know, as far as judges appointing, yeah, there were judges, and there was a lot of cronyism and I experienced that in the courts, uh, when I dealt with, uh, certain things that went missing and monies and all kinds of stuff when I turned 18, uh, but that is a discussion for another day. Um, but my father did get to choose his defense counsel and, uh, it, it was his, um, his divorce attorney, Charles Robinson, and then, uh, Robert. Whitney who is I believe still practicing law. I mean, I said this a couple of months ago on the program. I think he's still practicing law. And somebody was like, "Hey, he's still practicing law, who is like probably the best criminal attorney in Central Ohio easily. Uh represented many people. Very competent lawyer. Uh Yeah, just unbelievable. Uh unbelievable. Unbelievable! My father would say things about like my mother selling babies and and things of that nature. Like, what respect for the dead do you have? Like, your wife is like, and and at the end of the day, like, you know that you killed your wife. Oh my God!
1: Possibly to uh, aggrandize or at least uh, perpetuate the individual
2: agendas of several people. Uh, I don't want to. Call oh, there it is a an agenda being perpetuated. So That's for damn sure. Individual agendas, but. By placing a $5 million
1: cash bond, you you uh, uh, heighten the interest and you heighten uh, the story level, etc. And I think this was all part of what the, uh, the Mansfield uh, Police Department and the Richland County prosecutor were attempting to do.
0: Okay, so then they had no personal financial gain in this thing.
1: Well, I don't really know. I believe that... Uh, uh, several of the attorneys did very well. In fact, I believe in my case, there was at one time almost 12 or 13 attorneys involved in various aspects, acting as guardians for the children, guardians of the estate.
0: Okay, you stay right there, Dr. Boyle. We're out of time, folks. We're going to be back tomorrow, another exciting program. Till then, good afternoon. God bless. And remember, always, always keep fighting the fight.
1: You've been listening to What's Right, What's Left with your host, Radio Ooh, Pastor Ernie Sanders.
2: Boy, wow, 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 wow. Um, a t- few of my people that listen to this uh, tape on the Patreon <laughs> said, "Hey, did you listen to this?" And I, you know, I said, "No, I haven't listened to it because I'm going to listen to it as I record this episode." which is what we're doing now. Um, but they were like, you shouldn't listen to this. I'm so glad I did. Um, there's a lot to take away from here. <clears throat> this is going to be very interesting because this is going to tie into the next episode again, like I said, where I'm going to speak to pastor Ernie Sanders and uh, a gentleman named Jim Clouse. where we're earlier in the program, they were, re- uh, referring to this book by Martin Yant called rotten to the core Jim clues was an investigator who was looking into corruption in central Ohio, uh, with police departments and with, with sort of nefarious activities. Of course he alleges the Mansfield police department engaging these activities. The interesting thing is, is that this sort of culture of whatever police malfeasance misconduct, whatever that he alleges, um, you know, started long before my mother, the situation and very little of what he, they had, what he was looking into is my mother, my mother going missing and all of these things that my father is alleging. They just sort of connected with him. And I discussed this with them and sort of what my takeaway is, because I found both of those individuals to be very competent, very, uh, um, very steadfast in what they believed in their, in their personal convictions and beliefs. And, um, as you guys will hear in that episode, you'll, you'll, I hope come away with the same thing. Like they're not to be vilified or excoriated for their, what they think is the truth. And they were ultimately listening to the word of a sociopath, which is interesting, but, um, man, there's so much to take away from this episode. Uh, I know this has run a little longer than we normally do, but, um, I gotta say, man, um, That was a lot. That was really heavy. It's like two o'clock in the morning. As I'm recording this, I probably will get no sleep because my wheels will be turning. And, um, yeah, uh, I appreciate you guys hanging in, sticking in with me on this longer than expected episode, but I thought it was pretty cool to do this. And again, like I found this tape and I just, I was like, I got to get a tape player. I got to record this and share this with you guys, because, um, I felt this was really insightful. Um sociopathy narcissism is a dangerous thing my friends and um but hey we we'll get through it Anyways um Thank you all so much for listening to the program. Thank you. And please support if you can, and you know, support by downloading, telling your friends, subscribing, find me on TikTok. I'm doing a bunch of TikTok stuff, sharing my story a little more intimate details than I do on the program or different intimate details, I should say. Uh, so, you know, please follow me everywhere on social media at call your Landry that's Instagram. I go it's in- live on Instagram every Tuesday, 11 AM Pacific, 2 PM Eastern time. And uh, yeah, and we'll be we are going to be doing TikTok lives as well. Or I'm going to be doing TikTok lives very soon. And um, wow, thanks for sticking in, guys. Uh, I'm Collier Landry, and this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. This podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. And please. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible. Find us on YouTube, youtube youtube.com forward slash Collier Landry. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Discovery Plus, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio, in association with RSA Entertainment. Please visit mpmpodcast.com to show your support today.